episode of The Drop, we welcome Ted Lasso composer Tom Howe. He has scored nearly 100 films and TV shows, including the decadent hit you all know and love, The Great British Bake Off. Tom's work has helped drive the emotions of both season one and season two of Ted Lasso, while forming the sonic heartbeat of the entire series. He joins me today to discuss musical Easter eggs, crafting themes for each character, and how he injects meaningful, layered music that can sit side by side with songs from well-loved bands like the Rolling Stones, A Tribe Called Quest, and the Sex Pistols. Ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome Tom Howe to the drop at DFT. We kind of focus on the post-production side of things, and for me, the most interesting has been watching this show with a huge number of music fans. I mean, you've got Melissa McCoy, the editor, who is just this insane jukebox of musical canon, and Bill, his wife, Krista, who yep. loved music, who's music supervisor, et cetera, et cetera. And then every single time that I think of a, an emotion or a moment in the show that I love, it's you, it's composer. You know, Rupert, guys have underestimated me my entire life. And for years, I never understood why. It used to really bother me. But then one day I was driving my little boy to school and I saw this quote by Walt Whitman. It was painted on the wall there. It said, be curious, not judgmental. I like that. How do you blend all of these moving pieces? Where does it come together in post-production for you and the team? And are you working around what's evolving or are you scoring a final picture? No, well, the picture does change. So I'd probably get five or six different versions of it. And they, you know, they start very, very long and they come down in length. But at that point, there's already conversations in place with the music supervisors and the editors about what the needle drops are going to be. And that does dictate a little bit what the score is going to do too, so you can get a pacing throughout the episode. Um, but also I think having, obviously it's easier on a second season when a show is very successful to get, you know, great um, needle drops and people to agree to things. But the first season, um, the sort of different types of music and the idea of having some American stuff and some British stuff and things like that helped definitely set the tone for the score. So I knew the score was going to be sort of singer-songwriter bandy. And I think that helps it sit within those needle drops. So it's not like it's suddenly you've got a track and then an orchestral cue comes out of nowhere. The, the score tends to sit within the same sound world as a lot of the needle drops, kind of, you know, music from bygone era of British kind of American um, type sound. Sometimes the best way to stick it to the man is go right between his legs, huh? We gotta go, coach. Yeah. Knock a doodle do. What about the diamond dogs? And a boy, Nate. Diamond dogs it is. Woo! Oh. Fucking taking it. Here, pictures of our first date. Come on, I'm cooking for you. But it all it all comes with com um, down with conversations with the producers and the editors and the directors. I mean, when I normally spot a TV 
um, show or a film, there's probably not more than three or four people um, involved. And on a film, it's usually just the director. Um, but on this, there's probably about 15 people on every time we spot an episode. And we're doing VFX stuff and sort of like ADR and even kind of like graphics, like what a kind of phone sort of text message should look like on a kind of, you know, who's replying to who and where it should sit on the screen and what name should be. So everybody sort of has opinions across the board in a very helpful way. And it feels very collaborative. So, yeah, it's a good thing to be part of, you know. So at this point now, I wait for your score whenever someone is going through something hard or if there's that moment of like, oh, I want them over. So season two, I'm literally listening for it and it doesn't pop up. And I'm like, oh man, that's an intentional choice. What's happening here? Tom Howe, where did you go? Tell me now. Like, it's almost like I wait for your cues to tell me when it's okay to feel the thing that I felt in season one. I think that, you know, whenever you get um, a show that's established and then you're coming back for a second run or a third run or whatever it is, you've a you've you you know what the sound of it's going to be so you're not then you know initially you're you're kind of wondering what instruments you're going to use how funny it's going to be how emotional it can be and things like that and I suppose the first season we kind of leaned the most of the tune was it was all relating to Ted even though all the characters had their own story arc he it was really about his sort of um journey in Richmond's and in this season it feels more that the um, the characters all have, you know, they all go off on their own um, sort of journeys. And musically, we were able to kind of expand the thematic material to kind of encompass that because the, by this point, the TED tune is so familiar, I hope, um, that you can, you know, use other themes for other characters without losing the identity of the, of the main theme. TED's theme. Oi, mate, there's you. Jamie's theme. Sky's the limit for you. There's a heck of a goal out there, by the way. Thanks. Mm. Roy Kent's theme. I think it's really cool you do this. I'm doing it with my fucking niece, guys, here. Eh? Oh, yeah? Which one is she? That idiot. Keely's theme. Lower it down on that side. Oh, great. Keep going, a little bit. Teeny bit more. Stop! It's perfect. All right. How about that? Nice teamwork. <laughs> and Danny's theme. All right, all right! There's a theme for Jamie, there's a theme for Roy, um, there's a theme for Keely. There's even a theme for Danny Rojas, um, you know, when he's in, in episode one, which is out now, when he's going through his troubles. And some of it's just sort of, um, you know, like an instrument choice, and some of it's actually a kind of thematic choice. But I think that, um, yeah, we were able, because that world was so established, we are able to kind of go off and um, expand the um, thematic content across the story. So that was exciting, you know. Well, I was going to ask because, I mean, we cracked open a lot of stories this season. I mean, I I just want to listen to Nate's and understand how you get him from episode one to episode 12. Um, and then Sam Ovinsanya, like what an incredible, you know, this is a character study for him this season. 
how did you have those established in season one? No, I, that they they were all new themes for Nate and Sam as well. Um, so I think in the, I mean, they were all had. I mean, even I suppose Roy, the, his journey in this season, he's much more kind of prominent than he was in season uh, one. So even though he had his moments, like when he got injured in the in the last football match and things like that you were playing an emotional cue, but you probably hadn't had enough time to tee him up for his own um, tunes. Within this, he gets, you know, enough kind of screen time to sort of uh, warrant having a full theme, as does Nate and Jamie and Beard and, um, you know, all, all of them, really. So, um, yeah, said that the tunes are sort of, yeah, new for this season, really, and then hopefully we'll build on those for season three. So that's actually a really good lead into episode 209, Coach Beard. Holy macaroni, how much, how much headway or you know, heads up did you get on that to start digging in on the life of Beard? Uh actually quite that because that one was a bit of a kind of um a bit left of what normally um I'd seen. I got more time with that one. And it was discussed early on about what the sort of intent was behind it. And uh, the music definitely takes a different. Uh, turning that one as you've as you've no doubt heard but it's um there his the theme for beard um comes uh, there's a couple of quotes of it in, in the episodes before um there's i think it's in two just the one before where um he, higgins sort of says to him is jane good enough for you and you hear his tune on the piano yeah, i i apologize And then in episode 209, it plays pretty much throughout, but it's kind of, you know, morphed in weird ways with synths and all kinds of, um, you know, percussion and, and things slightly outside the palette to reflect his sort of, um, yeah, his unusual kind of journey and trip over that evening, really. Um, wow. Yeah. Would you, I mean, uh, I think you, well, I know you've done several things with Doozer before, uh, and we've worked with bill since scrubs yeah uh, okay. yeah that's what i mean like that's why we're like documenting the crap out of this one because you know it was the first time we realized like okay let's you know this is a thing and people who are behind the camera generally you don't get to hear about melissa mccoy you don't you definitely don't hear about francesca castro you definitely don't hear about you know robbie stevenson the post-production coordinator and so we really wanted to highlight how the whole thing comes together um, for you, how has that relationship and the characters that you've scored for kind of changed over time working with the Doozer team? Well, the first time I worked with them was on Whiskey Cavalier. Um, and it's all the same people, as you say. So I was working with Melissa then and, and Frankie and Kip. And um, yeah. Yeah. And, he, you know, and uh, yeah, they just became firm friends. Really. I mean, it, it did help, obviously, in those days we were spotting in person. Yeah. So every week I would go to, to um, you know, Burbank and hang out in the edit suite and we'd have coffees and chat around and, you know, um, it was different. But uh, and so now having established those relationships, you can do things over Zoom and, um, you know, the connection is still there. But it's been they're just such a nice uh, group of people and everybody's sort of trying to obviously make the best thing they can but I think that there's feedback uh, sometimes people are scared to kind of chime in on areas that they I mean I would never normally comment on graphics because it's not my um, <laughs> but it's the, the the kind of spotting and the way that things are set up 
you feel confident enough to say something if you think it's valid and people take it on board and have a, you know, and are appreciative. And that goes across the music too. So I get, you know, I mean, Brent, who's doing the sound stuff, he and I had a lot of back and forth on um, episode uh, 10. Um, and uh, there was a bit where um, they were singing in the church and he recorded that obviously separately. Yeah. He's asking me if I would do something with it and do. And so we were working in a way where probably I, would, I wouldn't normally be doing that kind of thing and working and sending things back and forth. But it just feels like um, everybody can, you know, muck in wherever they like and, and just everyone's trying to make the best thing. And because you know everybody's so familiar and you know everyone so well, it just, you know, it always feels kind of relaxed and um, friendly atmosphere. Sean and Ryan said they were like, it's really lonely on, on stage seven all by ourselves. <laughs> but it used to be the full collaborative team. And um, and then we interviewed Kip, who we love Kip. We've done uh, countless shows with him at this point, And Bill Rubel, yeah. writer on 205. And Bill was, you know, every single last one of you has talked about how collaborative this show is. And yeah, it, it really is. Actually. I mean, one of the people I speak to most is Richard Brown, who's music, who's uh, music um, editing, and he, um, yeah, he makes my life a lot easier because he's across cuts, and he can, you know, we talk about some when I'm stuck, I'll give him a ring, or he might call me and say, "Hey, look, I was thinking this for here," or you know, I've taken that, and it kind of works here if you sped it up. Or so we're we're talking all the time, but it is very collaborative across the board. So, yeah. If you could, if you feel like there are any Easter eggs that you have put in there for us, that uh, again, 39 times, I catch something new literally every single time. Are there any little music cues that you dropped in there that uh, you think somebody would normally, if they had heard that? Some of the um, sequences, like the first time in, uh, in season two when Jamie comes back um, and, uh, he and Roy kind of um, square up. That's the same music cue. You know, we try and link the music to things that were in season one to try and give them some familiarity from similar sequences. Okay, Roy, you're not gonna like this, but right now, Jamie here is being the mature one. It's true, I'm being super mature, you big dumb hairy baby twat. He just wants to learn from you. If you know how to make me better, I wanna hear it. See? Fine. I'll tell you what's wrong with you. All right, now, here we go. You fucked him up. Whoa. Okay, expound. You've made him a team player. You've got him to pass and shit. And in doing so, you've made him average. Because Jamie, deep down, at your core, you are a prick. So just be a prick. We need you to score more goals and we need you to get in the other team's fucking heads and drive them up the fucking wall like only you can fucking do. So I can go back to being a brick? No. I'm saying sometimes, when it is appropriate, yes, be a prick. Okay. How will they know when? I'm actually curious about that myself too. We'll give you a signal. What signal? Any specifics we need to look out for? So there's definitely that going on. And I think, I mean, the last cue in episode 12, so the kind of big sporty moment, there's pretty much everyone's theme running throughout that at some point. So that's, uh, um, I mean, there's a bit where um, uh, 
Nate sort of, you know, is kind of walking off and it quotes his tune with him and you cut back to Roy and you've got a bit of him and then you've got a bit of Jamie and then it goes into the Ted theme. So there's that sort of moves through a lot of different gears over five-ish minutes and uh, and there are sort of thematic quotes throughout. So um, I suppose that's a bit of ear candy if anybody wants to. The soundtrack, I think, is coming out in time for episode 11 or something like that. So that cue will be on there. Um, so, yeah. That's the cool thing about interviewing all of the different folks that that build Ted Lasso is just even talking to Paul Cripps yesterday about set design. And he was like, you know, I mean, my brain works in a way where things just start to become 3D models and I make a map. And I was like, not this girl. <laughs> like, And it's all of you are just really at the top of your game on this show. And um, I usually like to end by asking if you would have any questions of me you know, as the post house and what we get to see as it comes in or as it's wrapping up. But do you, I mean, do you get all the different versions coming through or how long is everybody kind of there? So you see it all coming from different cuts all the way through. Well, we, we literally see it from dailies. So the second it's filmed, the everything comes into our house, you know, into the post house and we have to process the dailies. I mean, what amazes me about that is I, I always, and I can't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday, but what I find incredible is when, when you know, editors or, or Jason or somebody will be watching something and then they go, no, can we use take 15 of that bit where so-and-so said this? And I'm like, how, the, how can you even remember that? I mean, like, you think how many different sequences there are coming in and different ways. And I remember in episode three when Jason does his lead tasso thing and he remembered a particular shot because yes. when, he, when he threw the water, it hit his chair. And he wanted that, you know, he'd done something like 25 different takes in it, but there was the way the water hit the chair. He lost his voice. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's part of why, uh, you know, uh, the amount of work that he puts into this show, obviously, but to have that, that common thread where he's an editorial, he's on the set, he's an actor in the show, he's in the spotting sessions, he is going through the cuts with everyone. It's, you know, this is part of why I want to chronicle it. It's going to end up being dissected in a college class. I promise you that. (laughs) One of the things I think Jason is really brilliant at, and he's brilliant at many, many things, but, um, and I suppose that he's, this has got more and more the case as time has gone on and you start to trust people in their jobs, but often um, you can work with people who, um, they want to micromanage absolutely everything. And what he's really brilliant at is um, giving his notes on something, but then saying, you know, you do your thing, I trust you to do that. So he sort of makes you feel good about what you're doing. And he's giving you notes, but in a way where you can interpret it in hopefully in the um, creative way that you want to. And I think he's uh, he's always supportive in that regard, you know, with what you, uh, he never says anything's wrong. He might have a different opinion, but he never says, well, that's not what I meant at all. You know, he'll kind of want to talk to you about why you thought that would work or why, you know, does it work? And he's interested in hearing and he can be convinced the other way. And I think that's a sign of somebody who's very, um, you know, good at their job, you know, to kind of trust people around them and uh, get the tone right. And, and hopefully everybody elevates and does their job well, you know. Melissa McCoy said it was like, yeah, you should. This feels like, you know, give me the emotion. Don't don't just do it out of like a 
you know, technical ability, but like, what's the choice behind that? So, yeah, that's it. Well, Tom, thank you so much. This was a lovely conversation. I'm so grateful. Thank you, Nancy. Thanks for making the time. Absolutely. Thank you, too.